This is exactly right. We don't have to have the answer in the moment. And most of the time, we're better off if we don't, if we just come without an agenda, but with to connect. And we can also always circle back, because I do think a lot of these conversations, particularly with our older kids, um, we really need to think on them and, uh, and stew on it a little bit before we take our next step. Happy Summer Parent Footprint listeners. We are recording our June Sitting Down with Dr. Dan bonus episode on June 21st. And that is the first official day of summer. By the time you listen to this, you are well into summer and I hope it is a good one. This month, we celebrated our two-year Exactly Right podcast anniversary And we are so excited to continue this work and this mission with Exactly Right and with you all. Thank you for all of your parenting questions. You guys send them into our, you DM us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and also our email podcast at drdampeters.com. We're here today with none other but our amazing podcast engineer and dad, Phil. Hello, Phil. Here we are. Here we are uh, heading into our second year here with Exactly Right, uh, which is just mind-blowing. What a what an incredible journey we've been on from just the go-get. And uh, I know I'm personally excited to see what's to come uh, in the next chapter here. Uh, I hope you had a good Father's Day, Dr. Dan, just a just a few days ago. Uh, yes, thank you. Was, and you? And you? Yeah, you know, yeah. I did. Uh, though, as I'm fond of telling my my girls, really, you know, every day that I get an opportunity to spend with them is Father's Day. Oh, and they just, they make it yeah. always, well, we'll say 90% of the time, great. <laughs> and then and, the other 10% of the time, teenagers. <laughs> and yeah, and how often do they roll their eyes when you remind them of how much you appreciate them and spending time with them? They're pretty good about it, but they'll, yeah. they'll, they're, but you get that. Oh, okay, Dad. All right, Dad. <laughs> because typically, I'm I'm not so eloquent as I am on the podcast, and it's <laughs> it's, it's 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 rife with dad jokes and and yeah. pretty goofy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, dad but, humor, hey, dad humor yeah. though is uh, cannot be overstated about how you know people give it a hard time, but. Everyone loves dad humor. Come on, everyone. everyone. Let's admit it. Everyone loves dad humor, even when you're pretending not to. Yeah, it's it's impossible not to love. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, and as I hope the dads out there that are listening uh, today have had also a a marvelous Father's Day, let's let's jump on in to our questions. So our first question comes in via email and says. I'm a mom of four daughters. Each daughter is very different. Their passions and talents range from sports to music. Lately, our youngest daughter, age 14, seems to only want to focus on beauty and fashion and social media. How can my husband and I help her navigate this obsession before it becomes too excessive? A Mm. very relevant question these days. Um, uh, Our listeners will know that 
last uh, recording of sitting down with Dr. Dan, we hit the social media thing because uh, the Surgeon General put a warning out. There was also a study, uh, international study, which basically was not a good study, but the findings were alarming. Yeah. Right. Yeah, With uh, yeah. the the younger that kids are getting tablets and smartphones, the late, the later, the higher incidence of mental health issues. Uh, we know social media is a mixed bag. Uh, and particularly we're always arguing for the older, you know, try to keep them, keep them off it as long as possible. Yet we yeah. know the reality that it is a thing that everyone, everyone quote is, has and right. it's pretty true. Um, yeah. Especially yeah. in the teenage yeah. age, right? Like everyone yeah. has it. That's how they yeah, connect. It's not, yeah. That's not overstating it yeah. at all. <laughs> okay. So all that being said, also want to normalize that this is a very common developmental identity step that your 14 year old is focusing on fashion and in social media. And of course, whether it's TikTok or Instagram or any of the platforms, this is where, you know, this is where you find fashion. This is where you see what other people are wearing. This mm -hmm. is where you, um, you know, you try things out, you're, you're doing your research. And so we, we want to be, balanced and moderate with the level of concern, right? We don't mm -hmm. want to jump to the gun that this right. is something that is unhealthy. And at the same time, your question is um, important because we want to monitor. And the things that we're looking for is any changes in behavior, any, you know, how obsessive is the use at the expense of other things because you know there's a fine right. line between passion and obsession and you know we use obsession now as a, as a word in our regular vocabulary like oh he's obsessed she's obsessed which really means they're really into it a right. true obsession you can't get it out of your mind and you aren't able to do other things you need to do because of an obsession yeah so those are the things that need to be monitored like how much use are you you're not sleeping enough are you um not doing your other responsibilities and yet it's like so typical of this age group. And particularly for some, this is pre-vocational. I mean, there are a lot of young men and young women who really have a talent for fashion and design. Yes, yes. Absolutely. You know, it's like something that they, it's more than just a right now, I'm worried about how I look. It's like, I'm really into this. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's, it is, it's very nuanced, right? And it's it, it, from, from teenager to teenager, it's different, right? It's going to be, it's going to, if it is obsession, it might show itself in some different ways. And one thing that as, as parents of, of teenage daughters that we try to keep some kind of handle on is that social media is not becoming too much of a, um, an identity tool, really. Mm -hmm. it, it will, of course, influence some level of our teenager's identity. And, and just like other media in the past for us growing up also influenced our identity. So you know, MTV comes mm -hmm. to mind as a mm -hmm. good example. Rolling Stone magazine. You know, things were a little bit different, but there were media sources where we as teenagers were 
deriving a good part of our identity from. Now, the downside is that with social media, it is, it's like a drinking from a fire hose, mm-hmm. right? It just, it's, it's an onslaught of information. And in this scenario where we're kind of focusing on, on fashion and beauty, et cetera, and we say this time and again, but having conversations with our teen can be extremely beneficial and not a conversation of, I want to check in and see what you're doing on social media, which is also very important, which is as, as a parent to do that, but rather engage them on a level of you're interested in what they find, what's trending fashion wise Mm -hmm. on social media. And I think through those discussions, you're going to get some useful information in terms of how they are processing this information, how they're applying it to themselves. And you'll get a lot of answers that way, I think, to determine whether it's something that they're just into and passionate about and rather than something that where they are internalizing how they match up to the fashion trends and the beauty trends and and being more of a self-esteem type mm-hmm. thing going on there. Yeah, totally agree. And so coming full circle to the actual question, what do we do? Right. I think I think pulling this all together, have these conversations, show interest, mm-hmm. and monitor, yeah. and then have more conversations as yes. needed. Um, yeah. Try to be try to st- be a part of it and 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 educate. Yeah, and and one final point I'm, I'll make too is, as parents, the earlier we engage with our teenagers on social media, with the concepts of monitoring, right? But also the concepts of just showing interest in what they are finding interesting out there, the better. Because if you put it off too long and then all of a sudden you're trying to set some boundaries and how we're using social media, you're going to get more pushback. And so we don't want it to seem like this is coming out of nowhere. Even if we've been concerned about it for a while, the earlier we start those dialogues and let them know how we are going to manage social media with them in the long run is going to be beneficial. Amen. Amen. Okay. And I did want to say one thing too, uh, just very briefly about the study. It was not necessarily news to me, but it was validating mm-hmm. to have have the statement and the study because as we've discussed on this show, we have long been you know, cognizant of the impact. You, I'm sure, see it mm-hmm. frequently you know, in, with your clients and in your office visits. And you know, I've seen it with my, my own kids and their, their friends. Uh, so it's nice to be able to have sort of, to be able to cite some like legitimate uh, statement yeah. from the attorney general mm-hmm. and say, hey, yeah, this is such an issue uh, and such a challenge that it's it's reached this level, and so we're not just being pains in the pains in the right. you know what. <laughs> right, right, right. It's a health issue. It's a health crisis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> 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 All right. Moving along. Uh, this next question comes from Instagram via direct message. We have a single mom that needs some advice, and she says, "My 15 year old." Teen son acts like he hates me. Every single time I open my mouth to talk, 
He looks angry and grumpy, or he walks away, and it hurts my feelings. Help. He does not act like this with his dad. Mm-hmm. This is very common. So first of all, I, um, I empathize with you, um, mm-hmm. mom, and I just want you to know it, it, it is really common. And at one level, to be, to sort of be a bit stereotypical, but this seems to happen, is mother's love is unconditional generally speaking, is unconditional and is ever-present and is always nurturing and doing. Yeah. Fathers, depending on the father, are often seen as more conditional, less present, and um, there's a different dynamic, uh, particularly with male-to-male, father-son, about also wanting to get... Um, get get positive feedback and be seen in a positive light. And I'd also be remiss to hear to if I didn't say in some situ, in a lot of situations there's also a fear, right? Like is dad going to get angry depending on dad's temperament and personality. Yeah. Yeah. And so again, I know these are I just these are generalities and um but this is what we often see. So, I'm not surprised that this is your experience. Also, at this age, often where there's this independence of teenagehood and the need for autonomy, and I can do everything myself, and you know, like everything you say is annoying, and like, can you just leave me alone? Moms get more of that, and again, mm-hmm. for all the reasons that I just said. So, what I, I, I do support you in setting some boundaries and limits. And having a conversation, hopefully in a time when there is not a, it's not conflictual, the tensions are mm-hmm. running high, to give feedback to your son and say, hey, I've noticed, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but lately you've been really short with me and say some things which don't make me feel so good. And I'm just wondering if you're aware of that, right? Because if we accuse... Yeah. 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 All of a sudden, the 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 guards go up, right. the defense go up, and then it's another reason to have a fight. Yeah. It's, it's trying to shed, hold up a mirror, and just to give some feedback in a way that if you could do it in a loving and non-reactive way, so that means yeah, you got to ground yourself and be in a good place. You're planting a seed. It doesn't even have to be a long conversation, mm-hmm. but what you're basically doing is, hey, I, I see you. I want you to know like, this is how I'm taking your behavior. And it doesn't feel good. And I'd appreciate if you could just think about how you talk to me. Now, that's step A. I'm on, B is, if it gets really out of hand and you're being verbally and emotionally abused, that's, that's like a whole, nother, that's a whole nother level. And that still deserves a conversation. But remember, you don't have to do everything for a child, especially an older child, who is mistreating you because all that teaches them is no matter how I treat people, I still get what I want. So it's like, there's just a continuum of how significant and severe is the behavior. And then over time, if it doesn't get corrected, that's when some natural and logical consequences can really be helpful. Like, Hey, can I get a ride? Can I get a ride to meet my friends? You know what? Sorry. I just not up to it. Well, what do you mean? You're not up to it. You said you take me. I did. But after you said this, this, and this to me, 
I don't feel like doing that for you. It doesn't make me feel good. And walk away. Don't get in a fight. So mm-hmm. these are things that yes. you got to remember yes. these, these teenagers, kids and, and teens, they want to be right. They don't like to, they don't like to be wrong. And in the moment they have to save face and be like, I don't care. You know, I don't care about you. I don't care if you don't take me. And that's not true. That's just a defensive response. So I feel like it's like trying to chip away at this, knowing that part of this is normal, but also being aware of like, where is the line being crossed? Yeah. And how can you, you know, step into it a little bit and have some conversations about it? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's challenging, right? Because we've got, you know, we as parents are human beings and our feelings can be hurt. Yes. Uh, We are not invincible. We are not impervious uh, to those daggers that our kids can throw. Uh, and then also it's, it's a issue of wanting our children to treat us respectfully and treat us with the same respect we treat them and, and wanting to see them just be able to be respectful human beings as well. Uh, but at, so you've got these different factors that can elicit a very emotional response from us as a parent and, and have us you know, leap over that response, <laughs> that narrow response window right into reactivity. Uh, but as you said, that is the that's the the quickest way to to make things worse, right? And it's you have to use every ounce of your will to calmly communicate the impact that it does have on you and how it does uh, make you feel. You know, we don't have to hide our feelings from our our kids, uh, but we also want to show them how you know we want to model this behavior of responding calmly, even when it is an emotional issue. Mm -hmm. Another thought that occurred to me as well, and I know that there are many, many different uh, divorce scenarios out there. I don't know what type of co-parenting relationship you have uh, with with your son's father, but to get support uh, from Mm -hmm. from Mm -hmm. your co-parent uh, can be helpful as well where they can say, Hey, you know, I was, I was talking to your mom and this really isn't okay. And what's going on here? How can we make this, how can we make this better? So that's, that's That's a really good point. Really good point. And, um, the, the important detail about, uh, divorce is really important because the dynamic that I was talking about, uh, I find happens in all types of families, um, those that are still together and those that are apart. And to your point, Phil, in a divorce situation, this dynamic can be even more polarized. Yeah. yeah. Depending on dad's involvement, how much time dad is in the picture or not, mm-hmm. how much mm-hmm. it is more of that old term of Disneyland dad, where it's just all about right. fun stuff and then mom yeah. gets all the real stuff. So again, every family is different together yeah. or apart, um, but the, the this dynamic can be more polar, polarized when families of are course. apart. Of course, of course. But we are we are rooting for you. This might seem like an untenable situation that there's no turning back from. And in the moment, I'm sure it absolutely feels that way. But uh, as they say, what calm, calm minds prevail and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. stick with it and, and be kind to yourself too. It's easy also to believe some of these hurtful statements. Uh, but remember, you know, you know, the kind of parent you are, 
and the kind of mom you are to your son and, and, you know, believe, believe that and give yourself a little grace as well. Yeah. All right. Moving on to question number three. Um, this is uh, an email uh, from a dad. So the email goes on to say, I'm a dad and I recently got laid off. I'm doing some part-time work now, but my wife and I decided we must cancel our summer travel and vacation. How can I talk to my three kids, age 11, 13, and 16, about this honestly, but in a way that won't worry them? Mm-hmm. Great question. Yeah, yeah. Um, and especially with the kids being those ages, I do think this is an opportunity to teach them about life. Um, yeah, and yeah. With the without the without worry them worrying them part, I think a big part of that comes with how you get yourself ready for this conversation and how you feel about this conversation. Because our kids, you know, they're emotional sponges, and they pick up um, they pick up how we're feeling uh, and our facial expressions and our demeanor, even when we're not <laughs> saying anything. Yeah, yeah. And so, I think if you come into it in a place of like, wow, like, hey, we got a family, this is a family situation that we're dealing with. This happens in life. And uh, we just want to be really smart about how we spend our money right now while I'm looking for another full-time job. And you guys have nothing, there's nothing to worry about. But this is just one of those times when in life, when something happens unexpectedly, you have to shift a little bit. And mm -hmm. so we're going to find a way to have a, some different kinds of fun this summer. And we're going to postpone and cancel this trip for now. And uh, our plan is to do it again. But right now, it just doesn't make sense for us. Mm -hmm. And you then can say, do you guys have any questions? You know, like, it's like, we want what's ever in their head to come out. Like, uh, are we, are we going to be able yeah. to stay in our house? Yeah. Are we, you know, what, is, what does this mean? Are we, you know, all of these fear questions, we want them to come out if they're even there. Yeah. They might yeah. not be there, but if they're there, and then you can think about how you want to include them in the process of pivoting. So mm -hmm. we're trying to think of some other things that we could do, which are more local or that we can drive to, um, or more day trips or weekend trips. And, mm -hmm. you know, we're open to ideas. Here's what we're yeah. thinking. What do you guys think? Yeah. And it actually can be a family adventure. Yeah. And we, we used to have these things in our family when our kids were young is we would surprise them with family adventures. And they were usually day trips or occasionally an overnight. And it would be something that we would plan that we thought would be fun and we would vary on how much we told them or didn't tell them to have a surprise. <laughs> right. Yep. And, and so it was like, can we have a family adventure? Now, of course, your kids are a little older now, but they're also, they're, you know, everyone probably wants to do something a little different. And just like the, um, the family activity where someone gets to pick, you know, a night or a, a meal or a weekend outing that is consistent with their interest and expose the family to other interests, you know, everyone gets to choose and the rule is everyone goes along with it. Like this can be one of those things. You just kind of mix it up and you're creative about it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know, going in and, and being honest, you know, here's, here's the situation and, and here's the adjustments we're making to our summer plans and then allowing them to ask those questions to you directly <laughs> rather than 
trying to fill the gaps in information themselves because nine times out of 10, our kids will make it way worse than oh, it yeah. is yep. in reality. And so mm -hmm. we don't need anyone internalizing. And it's a great opportunity for your family to really feel like it's operating as a team. And it's, you know, I'm terribly sorry you got laid off and, and that is, that is not a great feeling and it, and it can be scary. It can be scary, but this can be, you know, a great, again, opportunity for your family to function as a team. And then really kind of starts to establish that, uh, philosophy, uh, that our family is a team. It puts it into practice. And again, that's going to persist through life. I mm -hmm. mean, my, you know, I'm in you know, my, my mid forties now, and I still feel very much that way about, you know, my parents and my sisters, uh, that we are a team and, mm -hmm. and you will be providing your kids just, just this extra sense that they do have a safety net in life, knowing that we all help each other out and we can mm -hmm. all be there for each other. So, so yes. that, is a positive and those are hard to see in those situations but i think you're going to uh have the potential to be pleasantly surprised when you have this discussion uh with yeah. with with your kids yep. yeah it's, it's all about perspective and i and i also think you know i'm sure each kid will react differently so the one or ones that are really bummed out it's important to validate that too mm -hmm. just like yeah. yeah yeah i know this kind of sucks we, we weren't <laughs> expecting this to happen <laughs> Um, yeah. however, we're going to be fine and, mm -hmm. uh, we're just, we're going to figure it out. We're going to find something else to do and, um, we're good here. That makes me think of a, a question for you, Dr. Dan, is it better to sit all the kids down at once or have this conversation with each individually? Um, I think, okay, there's some si parents, you know, your you know, your kids best. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there is a dynamic where there might be one child which kind of it, it just brings a lot of energy to the situation or triggers another child and then it becomes about <laughs> that thing instead of the actual conversation. <laughs> right. So in those cases, yeah, I, that's a good call. Like it's 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 best to separate. In other situations or where there is not that situation, I think it's like, hey, guys, family meeting. We got something mm -hmm. we got something to talk about. We got to talk about our summer plans. You know, so you like, you, you say what the title yes. is, because when you say like, uh, I know in our family, we're like, hey guys, family meeting. It's like, oh no, what's going on? <laughs> we're like, no, it's no big deal. We just want to talk about something. However, there have been plenty of other family meetings that weren't as pleasant for them. So I can understand the response. Oh, so yeah. yeah, so it's kind of like, hey guys, we just want to get together, talk about summer plans. Yeah. And I think that stating that right at the top mm -hmm. does not make it about you being laid off or does not make it about anything, you know, financial. It is about summer plans. Yep. And the other, the other pieces are, are just, you know, supporting facts. Right. But the, yep. you're talking about summer plans. Yep. And I think that, uh, will help too. Yeah. I love that. That's great. Yeah. I'm just thinking of the, the, the looks on my kids' faces whenever yeah. I said, okay, we've, you know, yeah. we've got to have a talk about, you know, yeah. you have to have a talk. Yeah. <laughs> that does not yeah. work. It's all in the messaging. <laughs> we had to, we had to find a new name for family meetings because that was kind of a trigger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think ours was, we, we want to have a talk. Yeah. And that became, that triggering. became the same trigger. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh boy.
Next question. Another question from email uh, from a big family. We are three adult siblings, all with families and kids. How do we deal with grandparents that don't want to host family events at their house now that there are a lot of grandchildren? We love gatherings at the house we grew up in as a group, but are unsure how to confront our parents. Mm. Mm. That's this is a good one. Yes. Yeah. And you know, like all those memories, so many people have the memories of mm -hmm. the family, whatever the mm -hmm. family gathering place is. And it, mm -hmm. it just means so much. And then you yeah. want to keep yeah, doing it. Really and you want your kids to experience that too. And our parents get older and, you know, it goes from often a lot of energy to less energy. And particularly when you have a lot of kids running around, it can be feeling a little overwhelming for some. Yeah. Um, so I would suggest either all of you or one of you, again, same like the last question, what the dynamic is in the family, mm -hmm. knowing your parents, knowing if the three of you showing up together on whether it's a call or in person, um, that will be the most cohesive, you know, heartfelt, empowering situation. Or if there's one person who generally is more of the spokesperson and um, is maybe received more by the parents. So again, mm -hmm. it's just, it's just, it's strategy. Yeah. Um, regardless to me, the message is one of letting them know how much the house, the property, and the memories mean to you all. Like you yeah. focus on the, you start with all of the meaning and the memory and the love and how much it's just part of the fabric of who you are, mm -hmm. how you want that for your kids and mm -hmm. how you know there are a lot of kids now. And you're wondering, is there any way that you all can find a way to still have these gatherings in a way which does not feel overwhelming and stressful? Yeah. Because it might be, I know in, um, in, in our family, as things went on, we tried on both sides of family to maintain the space, but the next generation starts to move in to doing all the stuff. Yes. Instead of yeah. the older generation, it was doing, of course, everything. Of course. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it can be as simple as what can we do to make, to reduce the, the stress of hosting, you know, at our family home. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that is, is the best route that I can think of, you know, stressing that here's why this is important. And we are, you know, all of us siblings are happy to pitch in so that you can enjoy these events mm -hmm. at the family home as mm -hmm. much as everyone else. Mm -hmm. And I think taking that route, I don't see how, how you could go wrong there. Mm -hmm. and, and it could come down to, you know, um, we're worried about our stuff in this fancy room. Yeah. Okay, hey, we'll just close that door. Or, you know, that'll be off limits. Or, you know, it's just cooking for all these. Or it's just the noise. Like, it could be, it could be so many things right. as people age. And it's just trying to come to it with compassion mm -hmm. and seeking understanding. So you can preserve all the goodness and take away the stress. Yeah. Now, on the flip side, mm -hmm. let's say we have this discussion mm. and our parents say, 
we understand, we appreciate that you want to chip in, but we just, we can't do this anymore. What would you, what would you propose? How do we, how do we work with that? Let's say it's not work looking like it's going to work out. I think you got to regroup. I mm -hmm. think in the moment you go as far as you can without it becoming, con, you know, like too, too much tension right. or right. contentious. Mm -hmm. And then you acknowledge and you hear and you express your feelings and then you go away. And then the three of you talk about how you want to handle it. Right. I know that I, this is not, you know, of course unique. And I know sometimes a lot of times it's a successful conversation um, or one that could lead to, Hey, why don't you give us, okay, here's, here's one. I have two responses. Okay. One is, could we try one last time taking <laughs> all this into account <laughs> and then go from there? You know, like try to get your foot in the door. So that, that's yeah. one thing. If, if you can't, I think it's back to creativity and what is the next generation of memories? Because in many, many families, at some point, that family home is not in the family anymore. Yeah. And there has to be a new place and new memories. Yeah. It's harder to do it when the home is still in the family, but of course, it could be the time to pivot where you don't have all of the stress and you get to create anything you want for yeah. your kids and nieces and nephews. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Love it. Love it. Okay. Question number five. Another one via email, I might add. Our 17-year-old daughter just received a high-functioning autism diagnosis. Should we tell everyone, family, friends, should she? I, I take that as, should she be the one to, to tell? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Dr. Dan. Mm -hmm. This is a, a really good question and one that we deal with in our center all the time. Mm. You know, especially with a 17-year-old, this to me is one of empowerment. So often, often, not always the case, when there is a new diagnosis of autism spectrum at this older age, in my experience, it can't often be driven by the person themselves wanting to learn more about themselves. Like, I can't tell mm -hmm. you how many people, 17, 18, 16, 17, 18 plus, are like, I'd like to be evaluated for autism because I've done a lot of research and I think this makes sense for me and would explain a lot in my life. And in those cases, it's really empowering and affirming to learn more about yourself and have an explanation for just your experiences, the way you perceive the world, um, sometimes the differences that don't make sense to you mm -hmm. and don't make sense to others. And when we think of labels and diagnosis, we want them to be helpful empowering and affirming when you have a child of any age a person of any age that has neurodiversity whether it is um, identified and acknowledged or not there can often be misunderstandings in the home in the extended family in the community with people not understanding some of the um, behavior or some of the interactions. Mm -hmm. And it can be very confusing and often, unfortunately, negative, right? Like you feel badly. Why are people talking to me right. like that? Why are they saying right. I didn't mean that or I did mean that? Or So to me, if we're looking at it through the lens of 
affirmation and understanding and empowerment, the first question I would ask is to your daughter is, how would you like to handle this? Absolutely. Yeah. And that itself could be a really rich conversation. It could be, well, I'd like to tell these people, or I want these people to know, or I actually think it's my business and I'll share it when I see it fit. And, you know, all of these, all of these are, are really um, healthy responses. I will add, as parents, you might have some insight or some awareness that your daughter might not be aware of that then you can offer. Well, you know, yeah. I, I totally respect what you're saying. And I was just thinking for grandma and grandpa or for this cousin, you know how they sometimes act or say or do this and it makes us all feel uncomfortable? It might be helpful for them to have this information to diffuse that, right? Like you mm -hmm. can bring something in, but then I would say it's respecting, especially of a 17-year-old, respecting yeah. their wishes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think um, that should also, in hearing Dr. Dan say that, should give you a little bit of comfort that, okay, this doesn't rest squarely on our shoulders to figure out for our 17-year-old, but rather we can have this collaborative moment where we are, are figuring this out together. Mm -hmm. And of course, I mean, it all, um, back to what your 17-year-old daughter feels they want to do to, to share this news or not share this news. I mean, it, how did they take the news, right? That's, that's going to be part of it. I mean, I'm not saying mm -hmm. don't have the conversation right. if they didn't take it well. I still think it's a conversation uh, that you have, that you must have. Um, but how you, how you, um, what's the word I'm looking for? How you manage that conversation is going to be with how, what their feelings are on, mm -hmm. on the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And I think this applies, this conversation applies to all the different profiles on the, in the neurodiverse uh, mm -hmm. continuum and rainbow, which is there's so many different profiles and people who have these sets of strengths with accompanying challenges in specific situations and whether it's with your friends with your family um your professors or teachers or your coworkers or supervisors or bosses this is a very common question do i tell them that i'm like this or do i not and it is often nuanced depending on mm -hmm. the situation because where we'd like to say is, well, tell people who you are and you will be accepted. That's true some of the time. And unfortunately, right. in others, it's certain people and in certain situations, it's not or it's not understood yeah. or it's used yeah. against you. So it's just about thinking about this in a way that's really thoughtful. And uh, in my experience, it's people trying it out with trusted individuals yeah. first yeah. and see how they feel with it. Um, and now I will say some people are like, great. They tell everyone. And right. there are people they're like, nope, this is my information. I'm keeping it yeah. to myself. And again, yeah. personal preference. Absolutely. And I think another, another question to your daughter, and maybe this is more, you know, a, a rhetorical type question, but has this diagnosis in any way, you know, changed, uh, how they view themselves or, mm -hmm. or 
have, do they feel this has changed their identity in any way? Or are they, you know, from 259 before that phone call to 314 after the phone call where the diagnosis was received, did they become in any way a different sort of person in their own perception where they feel like it is something that they, they need to share? Because it, mm-hmm. it, it, it might not be, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to them, uh, to our, you know, to our younger generation, um, it's just who we are, right? It's just who they are. So they might not even be something that uh, factors into it. It's, it becomes, what is the value to sharing? You know, oh, what, yeah. what is it? There's right. a value for me in sharing this and, and, and so forth. Yeah. yeah. Totally agree. Totally agree. As you guys will, you know, as we, as I listen to us talk week in, <laughs> week in and week out and um, also with uh, Laura, you know, it, it so often comes down to just when we're stumped as parents and we feel the mm. weight of the decision and the responsibility, so much of the time it's having a conversation with our kids just to like check in, see where they're at, share some um, observations educate, collaborate. And I think we don't mm-hmm. have to have the answer in the moment. And most no, of the time we're no, better no. off if we don't, if we just come without an agenda, but with to a connect. And we can also always circle back. Cause I do think a lot of these conversations, particularly with our older kids, um, we really need to think on them and, uh, and stew on it a little bit before we take our next step. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I think as parents, you know, our, our instinct, our, our, the natural gut instinct is to problem solve and problem solve in that moment. And problem solve to us can mean here's the solution, right? right. But problem solving, again, is it's, it's a journey in and of itself, right? You know, right. To, to figure out these challenges and how best to manage them uh, does not have to happen in a single conversation. Correct. Period. And I think where we should leave this is with a famous uh, paraphrase quote from a highly impactful individual, Scott Peck, author of many books. One of the ones that most people know is The Road Less Traveled. Mm -hmm. And when he was talking about parenting, he said something like, it's not whether you say yes or no to your child. It's whether they know that you've taken the time to consider it. Mic drop, right? <laughs> Beautiful. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and here we are at the end of a very, again, another very fast, fast show here. Got our listeners, such great questions. Such you know, great I, questions. <laughs> I, I love these questions. Yeah. I love that it challenges me to think. And, and I mm-hmm. love that it also provides me in these moments uh, to examine you know, my own parenting and my own parenting experience. It's so much value, which is why this is such a, a fantastic community. And it really is yeah. a community. I mean, that's the essence of it right there. It is. It is. And I, I'm with you. It's one of the, uh, the perks of the job is that we yeah. get to we get to do this and be one of you at the same time. Yes. Right? Like we're all yes. we're all yes. in this trying to do our best every <laughs> yes, day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks, Phil. Another fun one. My pleasure. And thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. We, uh, we love having you part of our community and uh, the connection, the emails, these questions. 
bringing your friends along. You know, you know, you know the kind of people we're looking for, and they're connected to you. So thank you for sharing these episodes with them if they're not yet a part of our team. And uh, we really appreciate your five star reviews. You know where to find us on our regular drops on Thursday mornings as well. And uh, hope you all have a uh, are having a good summer. Do your best to be that person you want your child to become and ask yourself that guiding question. What footprint do you want to leave? This has been a Peters and Rossi production. Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan is produced by Laura Rossi. Our engineer is Phil Rossi. Theme music is Mountain Spring High, composed and performed by Gabriel Lewis. Artwork is by Garrett Ross. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Parent Footprint Podcast and on Twitter at Dr. Dan Peters. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Follow Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show.